Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, a 27-year veteran of the NYPD. I want to wish everyone a happy and healthy holiday season. And for a little public service announcement, I know everyone's going to these Christmas parties and these work parties, and it's important to remember your safety and the safety of everyone else. And if you drink, do not drive. It's so easy these days just to hire an Uber and get home safely and not have to worry about spending the weekend in jail. So enough said with that. A lot of happenings right now with the Idaho 4 case, the Brian Koberger case, and there are happenings, there's smaller happenings, but one I think that most of us, and again, there's the, the young students on the screen Madison Mogan, Kaylee Gonzalez, Ethan Chapin, and uh, Zana Canodal. And uh, just think we uh, give a, a few minutes thought to these young kids and their families in this coming up Christmas holidays and how it usually Christmas is a happy time of year. And at this time of year for their families, it's undoubtedly not a happy time of year. The thoughts of loved ones who they're missing. Anyway, the big, big uh, happening, of course, is the demolition of 1122 King Road. And that is um, a sore spot for many people, including myself. I, th I think it's absolutely ridiculous. And as many times as the university tries to act like it's in the best interest of everyone, I think that's nonsense. I think it's in their best interest, and I think it's all about money. It's probably hurting their bottom line. It's hurting their recruitment and their retention of students, and that's why they want that house knocked down with no thought of the effect that it's going to have on this case. In addition, the judge in the case, um, he, uh, in a couple of days ago, denied the second request that the defense had asked for for the dismissal of the case, which, of course, that was not going to happen. And we'll, we'll speak about that a little bit. And um, the state of Idaho, they want to be ready to present this case in the summer of 2024. And that's also given some thought because they want the campus to be empty. They don't want students around. They don't want this. It's going to be a huge media event anyway. But th these are some of the topics we're going we're to speak about today. So hold on to your seats. Get ready to enter the off-the-cuff zone, real crime, true crime, from a police perspective, but of course, off-the-cuff. There has to be some common sense. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. We're back. Remember all the reasons uh, that we've discussed and many other podcasters and many other talking heads on TV 
have discussed as to why the house is really a very important piece of evidence. And no matter how many times and how many ways and technological ways you use to document the crime scene, it's not the same thing as going into that crime scene, feeling the aura of that crime scene, seeing the perspective of the killer as he walked through that crime scene, how he entered, how he exited the perspective of the victims. Measurements, all of those things. Of course, the measurements can be done by technological means, but the feel and when a jury, when this case does go to trial, and if it is in the summer of 2024, it's now 1222, December 22nd. And in six days, the University of Idaho intends to knock that house down. And let's also put a little more perspective on it. The owner of that house, who rented it probably for many, many years, made a, a lot of money off it because he realized he could never, ever rent that house again. And to sort of uh, minimize his losses, donates it to the university. I guess you get a huge, a big enough tax deduction that you'll be able to uh, survive losing the house. And of course, the intention of the university was to knock it down because, again, they're not going to own it or sell it because they don't want, they want that house to disappear. It's a bad omen, as if it never existed before. But what I always think also is they did consult. How about these people? And this is the Chapin family, the mom and dad, and the, the, the Ethan Chapin was a triplet, right? So the person, the fourth person uh, from the left is Ethan Chapin, the tallest one. He's missing now. He's gone now. He's gone forever, right? And their family has remained somewhat quiet during this, and they chose to try to heal and move on. But uh, then we have Christy and C Steve Gonsalves, who have been pretty much the talking heads of the, of the families. And they don't want to talk for everyone, and they've gone through so much during this. And... Of course, they're against the house being knocked down, and so are, are the are other family members. So against the wishes of the family members, the university is still moving forward. And one of the things I want to say, I'm baffled as to why the prosecution hasn't slapped an injunction on the university to prevent them from knocking this. That's still not too late. Look, we got we got six days, but actually business days. Uh, we really only have about three business days left. So if they were to slap this injunction on to stop them from knocking it down, which I really, in my heart and soul, I really believe they should do that. They should stop them from knocking this house down. With a demolition date less than two weeks away, Brian Koberger's defense team granted access to the home where those four University of Idaho students were murdered last year. Koberger's attorney seen visiting the home Thursday and set to return later today.
The university telling ABC News the defense indicated they want to take photographs, measurements, and possibly gather drone footage of the house. They've had access to this scene in the past, way back when Brian Koberger was originally arrested. They now have additional information, so they know where blood evidence was. They know where footprints were. They're looking to find ways to recreate that information and test it in a way that they can present to the jury. Ethan Chapin, Zana Kernodal, Madison Mogan, and Kaylee Gonzalez were found stabbed to death on November 13th of 2022. The families still devastated. Overnight, Steve Gonzalez, Kaylee's father, telling ABC News, it's going to be another rough Christmas. According to the university, the FBI canvassed the King Road home in October, gathering data to create visual aids that could be used in the trial. Visual aids, they provide more information that allow for the understanding of photographs and videos. They can provide measure. They can provide the location of walls, for example or the directions of cameras. Prosecutors allege Koberger, a criminology student at a nearby college, broke into the house in the early hours and committed the murders. He has entered a not guilty plea. A trial date has yet to be scheduled. The university president calling the home a grim reminder of the heinous act that took place there and is set to be torn down on December 28th. Last month, students gathered on campus for a vigil, lighting candles in remembrance of the victims one year after their murders. So that's that's where we stand right now, is that uh, it's set to go forward. So you may ask then, if it's all locked in and they, all, they have all the documentary, documentary evidence they need, they have all the measurements. The FBI went back there recently and did some more schematics and they did some more measurements and they used some high-technology lasers why did the prosecution need to go back into the house? And one of the things that I would like to point out to everyone is once that house is knocked down, it's over. There's no, no more doing that again, all right? And don't forget, potential jurors that are chosen for this case have never been inside that house and never will be able to go inside that house because it's going to be knocked down, you know? And I don't see a good reason uh, other than, you know, when you look at the perspective of the university, University of Idaho, of course, they want that house gone. They want it out of there yesterday because it's a grim reminder of something horrific that happened. And I get that. I get that. But shouldn't the trial of this of potential quadruple murder shouldn't the prosecution have all the weaponry they need to go against him rather than you don't think the defense we even had garagos on the other night the famous attorney saying hey if if the house gets knocked down he goes it's a huge victory for the defense so knowing that why is the prosecution okay with this why are they allowing this I, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And in the specter of this, also some relatively new news, the judge ruled upon um, uh, a, another request to dismiss the charges just, just very, very recently. Case against Brian Koberger inching closer to trial. 
The judge overseeing the case denying attempts by Koberger's legal team to get the criminal charges against him thrown out. The judge finding his lawyers failed to challenge the indictment on grounds of juror bias, lack of sufficient evidence, or prosecutorial misconduct, adding Koberger was indicted by an impartial grand jury. This argument really does is fighting against some case law. The judge also rejecting a second defense motion that claimed prosecutors wrongly used a lower standard of proof when instructing the grand jury, calling the arguments, quote, interesting and creative, but ultimately unpersuasive. It's been more than a year since prosecutors allege Koberger entered this off-campus house and fatally stabbed four college students from the University of Idaho, Zana Kernodal, Ethan Chapin, Madison Mogan, and Kaylee Gonzalez. Authorities say they found Koberger's DNA on a knife case recovered from one of the victim's beds. The actual murder weapon never found. The state has said it's seeking the death penalty. A judge entered a not guilty plea on Koberger's behalf in May. The delay in getting this case to trial, not unusual. But a lawyer for the families says it's taking an emotional toll. It's tormenting. You know, you want to have at least a trial date set uh, for the family because it's a time and a date where you can kind of try to move past this kind of monkey that's just sitting out there on your back. The judge's ruling comes after the university announced last week it would soon demolish the house where the murders took place. The families of the victims worry that would be premature before trial. The whole family surprised not only that they're going to be demoing the house, but also the fact that it's only it's happening within two weeks, you know, three days after Christmas. So what do you expect the defense strategy to be now going forward? For the defense, their only hope at this point, guys, is to try to exclude the evidence of that DNA thumbprint on the knife sheath, the one that was found near the victim's bed. If you're his defense lawyer, you want to do everything you can to make sure the jury doesn't hear about that. But short of that, really, remember, this is a death penalty case. And so sometimes if you see the evidence is going one way, your hope is to try to make sure he doesn't get the death penalty, even if the guilt or innocence might not be. So when might we see this go to trial? You would expect at this point to at least have a scheduling yeah. order in place. That's why I think the victim's families are so disappointed, because even if the trial gets pushed for whatever reason, to not at least have a date yeah. in place. So they, they're now looking at, of course, we this is uh, from the other day, they're looking at uh, summer of 2024 for the trial date. You know, evidentiary-wise, you cannot make light of the fact that the DNA evidence, and of course it's touch DNA, which can be argued that it was transferred and uh, it's not, look, nothing in a criminal trial when it goes before a jury, nothing is slam dunk evidence. When you hear that term slam dunk evidence, that doesn't really exist, you know, because the job of the defense, and we have spoken about this ad nauseum, I love that term ad nauseum. We've spoken about that ad nauseum. Their job for the defense is to create doubt. Is there doubt? In this case, you bet, there's lots of doubt. And talented, experienced, hardworking defense attorneys can create that doubt. But at the same time, the prosecution must present the evidence that they have in the best way possible. Uh, and that's, you know, to get back to 
the demolition of the house. That's one of the reasons I believe the house should not be demolished. That is powerful evidence for the prosecution. And the fact that they've agreed to that, I just uh, I just have a really hard time with it. And, and, and you know, you've seen many people on YouTube uh, that agree with my position. Not that I need a vote and I need all the podcasters to agree with me. I don't because many times they do not agree with me. But <clears throat> I think us in law enforcement that have seen this before all agree, do not knock that house down. Do not knock it down, University of Idaho. What is the rush, you know? Closure, you use that term closure. There is no closure to this, you know? There's no closure. I, I would imagine that Christy and Steve Gonsalves they want this to be over with just so they can maybe get back to some type of routine in their life. They will never have closure. Their daughter's gone. Kaylee Gonzalez is gone. Ethan Chapin is gone. Zana Canodal is gone. Madison Mogan is gone. They're not coming back, you know? So there's no closure. Do they want to see someone held accountable for this? You bet. You bet they do. But... You know, when they use that term closure or healing, I don't think that the University of Idaho, and I, I hate to be so cynical, and I don't think I am. I think it's about money. I really do. And for the university, when they act like, oh, we're trying to, they, you're not. You're trying to get rid of this eyesore that is a stain on your university, probably hurts your recruitment and your retention of students. But guess what? Four students lost their lives and they were all University of Idaho students. So you're going to have to put up with this for a while longer. And again, the prosecution or the prosecution or even attorneys for the victims, someone should slap an injunction on this university and prevent them from knocking this house down. That's how important this evidence is. I really believe it is so, so important. Why are they not challenging it? Why are they not challenging it? You know, it's just uh, it's just incredible to me. Challenge this. It's so important. In one of the reports we just played, one of the, the news uh, stations said he broke into the house. There's no evidence he broke into the house. In fact, they, they said where they think he got in, but potentially the door was open. When we thought, talk about 1122 King Road, it was a party house, right? They probably never locked the doors. People came in, you know, all hours of the day and night to stay over there, to crash, to party at this house. So that information that he broke in, there's no, there was no indication that he broke in. He walked in, you know, he absolutely walked in. And I know that I'm making a, uh, a, a differentiation here of how he got in. He definitely didn't break in. Uh, so, you know, what when we talk about all the evidence, you know, digital evidence, DNA evidence, video evidence, and again, it's still not smoking gun. We will never say it's smoking gun because in a criminal trial, you know, that term, I don't know if that term really uh, belongs in smoking gun. Uh, 
the state of Ohio requesting the murder trial of Brian Koberger. This is going to play on the screen. Hopefully, if it loads. Trial of Brian Koberger be scheduled for next summer and last six weeks. Koberger is accused of murdering four University of Idaho students last November. In documents filed today, the state says it wants to avoid dates when the local school and universities are in class. Moscow High is near the Lataw County Courthouse, raising concern for the safety of the students and parking issues. And today, the prosecution in the case against Koberger went to the home where those four University of Idaho students were found murdered on King Road. The home is set to be demolished next week, and according to a news release from the University of Idaho, the prosecution did not indicate any specific actions they plan to take during the visit. That home now belongs to the university. Neither the prosecution or the defense have asked for the house to remain standing. The decision to tear down the house was made to quote, decrease further impact on other students living in the neighborhood. But at least one of the victim's families has asked that it remain standing through the trial, which has yet to be set. Again, the home is scheduled to be demolished on, on December 28th. So there we go. Uh, as we know, the home is set to be demolished on December 28th. Um, Angel D in the chat. Um, no, burglary doesn't mean that, Angel. Angel, what burglary means, the full definition of burglary is knowingly and unlawfully enter remain in a building with intent to commit a crime. You don't have to take anything to have completed the burglary. Your intent has to be to in this case the crime was four murders is that a burglary yes it also is a burglary first degree uh so no you don't have to that the, the what i just recited to you is burglary from the new york state penal law and i'm sure it's similar or the same in idaho knowingly and unlawfully enter or remain in a building with intent to commit a crime therein that's exactly word for word from my studies <laughs> Some things you just remember, you know, because you, you you study it so many times. And to differentiate it from robbery, because people always mix up burglary and robbery. Robbery is, is simply the forcible stealing of property. And for there to be a robbery, there has to be a um, an underlying larceny. So that's, I'm just differentiating it because it's, it's, um, Catherine Kurgot, uh, <clears throat> burglary is the same as well yes as long as it's it's a building or well, what's defined as a building um that's that's the addendum to what burglary is breaking and entering yeah no knowing it what is your intent you know if your intent is to commit a crime therein yes then it it is a burglary um so getting back to the case also what they they keep talking about uh and we've discussed this again, ad nauseum numerous times, the motive of this case, which, again, the prosecution does not have to prove motive, right? But the defense would always like to know what the motive is, what the motive was. Uh, so I don't know if um, the prosecution would even present that for the fact that they don't need to. They don't need to present what his motive was. But, 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 is it a good thing to uh, present to a jury? This was this is what we found out. 
if he, if we find out through digital evidence, electronic evidence, that he was in fact stalking uh, one or two of these these young ladies, is that important to the case? Yeah, you bet it's important. It's important because the jury wants to know it. Well, what was his? He was a PhD student. What was he doing? What was he doing? Why? Uh, what was it? Why did he do this? You know, what was his psychological state of mind? You don't have to prove that either. But the jurors like to know the human factor and the why, the when, where, who, what, how, and why. I used to, I would tell you guys uh, early on, in every police report, in the first paragraph, you had to answer all those questions in the first paragraph, the when, where, the who, what, how, and why. And you had to be cognizant of the fact that when you were writing that report, if you didn't answer all those questions, what came afterwards was uh, not as important because you have to answer all those questions in the first paragraph because someone reading that may also stop reading it after they they get all those those questions answered, especially people with stars on their shoulders, chiefs, you know. They want to know the when, the where, the who, the what, the how, and the why. And uh, next thing I want to know is if that's not answered is, who wrote this report? You know, they want to know, who screwed this up? You know, so that's the way policing is very punitive you know they always want to blame someone for uh for mistakes you know let's blame who didn't do this cannon again what are you kidding me let's send him back for remedial writing you know but uh i actually wrote pretty good reports so they didn't usually yell at me about that uh let's play this here this is actually uh, fine with the house coming down in just a week then why the final walkthrough why would the prosecution be there today so this is about the prosecution doing a final walk through 1122 King Road. And Banfield is asking, well, why did they feel the need to do a final walkthrough if all the evidence is documented, videotaped, lasered, every single thing has been done. The F Remember the FBI went back in there recently? So why did the prosecution want to do another walkthrough? For that, I turn to a very smart prosecutor, Dave Ehrenberg. He's the state attorney for Palm Beach County in Florida. He's former assistant attorney general. What could be left, Dave? What could possibly be left for them to look at to compel an actual on-site visit today, a week before the wrecking ball? Ashley, as your last guest correctly noted, because of the gag order, we don't know. And as a prosecutor, I could only guess that perhaps they need one more look at the angles, the models that were created, taking more photographs. But you would think that would have been done by now, especially because the demolition is occurring in a week. And so I think that prosecutors need to be careful that they've already agreed to this demolition and it could only come back to haunt them. I mean, because it's up to the defense to poke holes in the prosecution's case. And if they come up with some new theory the prosecution was not aware of, and the prosecution can't go back to the house and disprove it, oh boy, that could be reasonable doubt. You know, everyone is saying, his, his prosecutors, defense attorneys, why did the prosecution agree to this? And I can only, you know, think that, look, the prosecutor, Bill Thompson, is from Idaho. He understands the community. He understands that the University of Idaho wants this house knocked down. Is that type of pressure... Uh, sort of tainting his vision 
in regards to losing this huge piece of evidence? I question that. And, and you know, everything has politics, you know. You know, when people talk about policing, I used to say that the P in policing stands for politics because no other entity, no other organization is as much affected by politics as the police. You know, a as these, a, a, a politician sneezes and the police get pneumonia, you know. That's an old expression. I didn't coin that nor make it up. Let's get back to this. So I hope the prosecution has an airtight case that they've got enough. Sorry, this is loading again. I'm having problems with my Wi-Fi loading this up. But uh, they're talking about why would they agree to this? Why did the prosecution agree to this? DNA and other evidence that they don't need this house. But I just think that it's better that they keep it. Part of me wants to ask if it was just a show. Uh, prosecutors showing up for the sake of the media to see that they're crossing their last T's and dotting their last I's. But then the other part of me thinks, well, then they, you know, they get excoriated. Excoriated. For, for showing up at a place they thought three times ago wasn't needed. Prosecutors are busy, Ashley. They're not going to do something for show. Uh, they're not doing this for the cameras they're doing this because it provides some important evidence or at least crosses that t and dots the i because they're going to trial they say they're ready for trial and this is because they just want to make sure that they've got everything they need before it is torn down and look it's a good, good case i don't think they necessarily need the house but i think it's always better You know, I, I hate when people say that they don't like necessarily need this evidence because they have so much evidence they don't need it. Because especially when our You're a prosecutor, when you've got the entire burden of proof that the house is there just in case. So I hope it goes well for them. I think they're going to win this case regardless. But so it, look, it, it's again, why is why is the the prosecution agreeing to this? It's just it's it's such an important piece of evidence. And again, ad nauseum that we're repeating this over and over and over again, but it's, it's the most important piece of evidence. And they've agreed to allow the university to knock it down. And the other night, Garagos uh, was on uh, one of the channels as a talking head. And he says, hey, this is a huge win for the defense. And we don't need... Gary goes to tell us that a famous attorney, every attorney, every defense attorney is given a thumbs up saying, yeah, take knock that house down. We don't need the jury to want to walk through that house to see and feel what the victims must have felt. That's that's bad for the that's bad for the defense. So knocking it down is a huge victory for us. Uh, just totally crazy. Folks, if you like. Real crime, true crime from a police perspective, then you're in the right place. And if you're not subscribed to us, go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and ring that bell. And if you want to contribute to us, we have a Patreon with three different levels, and we also have a YouTube channel members memberships with five different levels, and you could contribute to this channel and help us going into 2024, which I'm excited about 2024.
for as long as I've been doing this podcast, you learn something new all the time. You meet some exciting people. You have all different types of cases that present themselves to you. And with that, you use your experience, your knowledge, and you learn. And you always be a student. Uh, anyone that says they're totally an expert and they have nothing to learn, I don't want to talk to them anymore because that's even the smartest people, doctors, PhDs, if they say they don't have anything to learn anymore, then move on, go to the next doctor or PhD. So it's always important. And I learn things all the time. I used to, when I used to teach college, I used to say I could learn things from my students and I did all the time. And that's what I just want to impart to you guys. And thank you guys for uh, contributing to this show helping the show, making the show grow, and we appreciate it. And we know what every time we cover this case, always remember uh, these young people, uh, Zana Canodal, Madison Mogan, Ethan Chapin, and uh, Kylie Gonzalez, the four students that lost their lives on November 13th, 2022. Um, it, it's such an important thing that we always remember these students because that's what this case is about uh it's not about the media the frenzy that the media feels on this case that how excited they are about about this case because it's a good story yeah we cover it we've done so many episodes with this it is a good story it's a great story but the human element behind it is that the reality is that there are true true victims to this case for people that lost their lives. Four families that are devastated. A university and a town that has been traumatized. There's no doubt to that. The University of Idaho, I'm not making light of it, but I think that you got to, this prosecution has to supersede whatever the University of Idaho is feeling in regards to their pocketbook, which I think this is all about, about the money they're losing because it's not good for recruitment and retention that this house is standing there as a daily reminder of what occurred on November 13th, 2022. But it also, because this is a death penalty case and someone is under arrest for this and the T's must be crossed and the I's dotted and no mistakes can happen for the prosecution, that is supersedes the University of Idaho, in my opinion, wanting to knock this house down. Uh, the FBI, a month ago, just went back to the house to document additional uh, footage and, and using high-tech laser equipment to document this crime scene. And again, it wouldn't be necessary if they left the house up. Two days they're spending at the Moscow home where four University of Idaho students were killed nearly a year ago. They're on site today and tomorrow to collect visual and audio data that will help construct a model of the home. Crime 2's chief journalist Amanda Rowley joining us now live from Moscow tonight, where the FBI has just left for the evening.
Well, since the trial for the Moscow murder suspect has been delayed indefinitely, the FBI is taking advantage of this extended time to gather measurements of their own of the home to construct a model. Now, throughout the day, we saw crews gathering images coming in and out of the home and even bringing out what less, what's left over as far as personal belongings and moving them outside. The home where Zana Kernodal, Ethan Shapin, Madison Mogan, and Kaylee Gonsalves were killed one year ago still stands. Today, the plywood securing the windows and door of the house has been removed, and a specialized team with the FBI are on site collecting measurements and images. They launched a drone over the house this morning and appeared to be collecting images using 3D scanning technology. This will all be used to construct a model of the home. We won't learn much more about what the FBI is doing because it's still an ongoing investigation. So I asked Idaho's former state attorney general and county prosecutor, David Leroy, what he makes of this collection of evidence. In this instance, it appears that the prosecutor is going to put some significant emphasis by virtue of a model and uh, videos in terms of helping the jury understand how an alleged perpetrator might have moved through the house to get in, to go to whatever is alleged to be the first crime scene, to pass then to the second crime scene. We noticed investigators are using Faro 3D laser scanners. The company's website says this technology can be used by law enforcement and prosecutors to reconstruct a crime scene and present it in the courtroom. This is the diagram of today's courtroom. Everything you see here is measurable. That's a not demonstration the video from Faro's website shows that. a few different ways to present the images, including a flyover view or virtual view of the scene. But most importantly, you can create a specific viewpoint. What did that first responder see? What did that witness see? Or what could the witness maybe not see? from that perspective. It's not clear what version will be used in this case, but Faro's demonstration does give some insight into the possibility. So all of this, the, the, the question is why was it necessary uh, for the FBI to go back to the scene, uh, to recheck out the scene, to redocument the scene, and we, we, if they left the house up, none of this stuff would be necessary, you know. Uh, but the decision has been made to knock the house down, and on December twenty eighth, that's what's going to occur, unless some last minute, very very last minute, uh, court injunction stops the university from doing that. And at this point, it doesn't seem like that's that's a possibility. Folks, if you're in the New York metropolitan area and need a great defense attorney, then Joe Murray is your man. Joe's a retired NYPD police officer and a fantastic defense attorney. And you can reach Joe on his cell at 718-514-3855. You can email him at joe at jmurray-law.com, website jmurray-law.com. Not only is Joe a fantastic defense attorney, but a huge supporter of the Police Off the Cuff podcast. And we really appreciate Joe for everything he has done for this show and everything he does for his clients. Uh, just think of being a police officer 
and you're on the side of the prosecution, and then you become a defense attorney. What a total difference, right? Going from one side of the fence to the other. And when we started out early on this, uh, this show, Joe used to be a guest, a frequent guest on this show. But I think he's so, so busy that uh, he hasn't really been able to do that of late. And we miss having him as a guest. So, Joe, if you're listening, you know, anytime you want to come back on, uh, you're very welcome to do so. So, you know, these today's the gist of today's show, obviously, was like things, new happenings that's occurring, that is occurring on the uh, Idaho case, Brian Koberger, uh, the, the, the four victims. And, and the biggest one, of course, is the house being uh, subject uh, to being demolished on December, uh, December 28th. And... Uh, that's that's a done deal. The other thing was the judge ruling on those two motions that the defense had said, uh, where the defense had said they wanted the charges dismissed because improper uh, instructions to the grand jury, improper, uh, you know, they, they said that uh, improper standard of proof. And to the grand jury, it's not necessary to prove anything beyond a reasonable doubt. It's almost like probable cause to determine whether the person arrested, in fact, you know, or not in fact, because there is no in fact, but uh, committed the crime based on probable cause standards, which is uh, facts and circumstances that would allow a reasonable person to believe that a crime has been committed and the person arrested committed that crime. That's the probable cause uh, standard and you know beyond a reasonable doubt is what has to be proved by the prosecution in a trial so beyond i would use the acronym bard b-a-r-d beyond a reasonable doubt is the um, is the standard in a trial that uh, the prosecution uh, has to prove and the defense they don't have to prove anything what the defense has to do is poke holes in the beyond a reasonable doubt standard and as we would talk about create doubt create doubt so that a jury votes not guilty that no there's enough doubt that we believe that this person didn't do it you know and uh and we don't want to convict an innocent person and there are people on, uh, there are many people, I think, that follow true crime and real crime, many people out in the world that believe uh, Brian Koberger is innocent, and that's their prerogative. And um, everyone has an opinion on this case, but really, at the end of the day, and I'll use that overused expression, that overused term, the only people that are really important to this case are the people sitting in that jury, the 12 people in that jury. That their opinions matter the most, and that'll be their opinions will matter after uh, after a trial. Kezi Kez, there were serious issues with that DNA, and no way that judge should have handled that DNA situation. I knew he wouldn't be fair and honest about it. Kezi Kez, I'm not exactly sure uh, what you're alluding to. Um, there was there's a lot of moving parts. To the DNA in this case, and it, uh, specifically, 
when the police surreptitiously collected the, the DNA from bottles. Remember that? Bottles removed from the Koberger's garbage at their, his Pennsylvania home. And at first, remember the sheath, the uh, touch DNA on the sheath first came back to Brian Koberger's father. And that's when they knew that they were in the right ballpark. And then when they had obtained an exemplar from Brian Koberger, it, it matched him, you know, I don't know how many billion to one or excluded the rest of the world and said this was this. So I'm not sure because he cares, uh, because he cares you're saying there's a corruption in the courts and uh, law enforcement and the school officials. Well, look, no one's alleged that uh, this trial is going to go forward. Hopefully, uh, the trial is going to go forward in the summer, as has just been announced, the summer of 2024. Is that written in stone? Absolutely not. Could that change? Absolutely. And why? Well, this is a death penalty case. That could change. And uh, the defense can always say, we're not ready. We're not ready. And what do you think the judge, Judge John Judge, someone was asking before, is the judge's name Judge? Yes. <laughs> judge John Judge. That's his name. And he's going to bend over backwards for the uh, for the defense. And if they say in the summer of 2024, if they're not ready, I believe that the judge will put it off. Because as we have said, uh, as we have said, the this is a death penalty case, and just by the nature of a death penalty case, appeals occur. Uh, Rob, thank you so much. Merry Christmas to you also, Rob, and BB too. Didn't Dateline report they had proof BK purchased a knife from Amazon? I can't remember everything that was said, and who knows if it's true. Uh, and BB2, there was some, uh, uh, I didn't see any documented evidence. It's not coming from the prosecution. Dateline did, yes, they did report that. I don't know if it's been verified. Look, a lot of things that we've learned from the media, a lot of things that have leaked out, uh, we may find out down the road that they were, in fact, not true. Or we may find out. Look at all the information that came out uh, in regards to this case that we found out wasn't true, you know, wasn't true. That, it, you know, remember uh, they said they had uh, People Magazine reported that Brian Koberger was a regular at the that restaurant. And I, I'm, uh, it alludes me the name to it right now, uh, that uh, Kaylee and... Uh, and Madison worked at, and that turned out not to be true. Uh, so there were many things. Or, you know, remember the food truck, all the people that right in the beginning, the media was pointing fingers at boyfriends of the victims, and and a lot of that stuff was conjecture and totally not true. So the only one people that really know uh, the true and the solid evidence and what's true and what's false in this case is the prosecution and the evidence that they have that they the mad greek uh, talks to angels thank you that was the name of the restaurant the mad greek and people magazine put it out there like oh yes brian koberger used to go in there all because it was a vegan restaurant i believe and that turned out not to be true so many things are reported by the media that uh, that as we could see uh weren't true you know uh so I also believe, and 
just having worked in the criminal justice system, been a, worked in homicide and for the NYPD, uh, been a boss, as they say. People love the way New Yorkers say boss. <laughs> Was a boss, and, and I had the, a team of detectives in the homicide squad, one of the best teams, I might add. I thought I had great detectives. Um, you know, so working these cases, you know that there's a lot of things that's never released to the press. And I believe that the prosecution has some evidence or lots of evidence that we don't know about yet that will solidify this case. And again, I won't use the term smoking gun, but will make this case extremely solid. And um, I think that's why the prosecution is ready to go. And um, the defense will try to put this off as long as they possibly can. So this was sort of like a matinee show today, guys. I, I just got inspired when I saw some of the new happenings going on. And, of course, the main thing is the knocking down of 1122 King Road. And we'll follow that. And there could be a last-minute stay. You never know. Last minute, there could be a court injunction stopping the university from knocking that house down. As it stands today, on December 22nd, Friday, December 22nd, 2023, it's going to go forward on the 28th of December, 2023. And uh, not a good thing for the prosecution. Um, and again, all these other happenings with the case, and we'll see if the case, in fact, moves forward as it's supposed to. Anyway, folks, that's my show for this early matinee show today. Thank all the people that are in other time zones that were able to catch this show because maybe it's a good time for you guys in England, in Scotland, in Scotland, and uh, other places across the globe. And I'm glad that, uh, you know, you didn't have to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning or something to watch this show. Maybe this time was much more conducive to you. I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I want you to be safe, uh, be with your families, and I hope all of your dreams, all of your wishes come true for 2024. And uh, the old public service announcement, if you drink, don't drive, you know, because uh, it's, it's more important to be safe. Have fun. You want to have a few... Adult beverages, as they call them lately. I sort of hate that expression. I'm having an adult beverage, you know. Uh, that's fine, but either take a cab, take an Uber, have your friend drive, you know. Don't drive. Don't drink and drive. Folks, have a great day today. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. One episode, just